Hi guys, welcome back to Keeping It Real Estate with your hosts, Justin and Brandy. On today's episode, we're talking about six types of real estate investments. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and hit the little notification bell so you don't miss an episode again with us. That's it. Definitely make sure to subscribe because we're going to have so much cool content coming out in the next few months. I'm so excited for it. But today, let's uh, let's tackle this topic, five types of investments. So uh, what we want to talk about here is the different avenues you can go, whether it's residential, it's commercial, ways that you can put your money into real estate to generate some sort of return. So I guess we'll start with the most basic one, and that is just a residential single family home. Uh, there's a lot of advantages and disadvantages to this. I guess one of the uh, major advantages to a single family residential is that you can really use it, you know, either rent it to a family, depending on where you're located, you could use it as an Airbnb. Uh, so you have multiple ways to make income there. Like somebody we know actually has one downtown. Uh, he's making about twice as much a month renting it as an Airbnb than he would if he were to just rent it month to month. I think uh, you have probably the least restrictions with that one. Yeah, and then when you only have one tenant occupying the property, it gives you less issues because you don't have, you know, a couple tenants living together that are complaining about noise, like, you know, this guy's showering too long, this guy's got a dog that barks, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's one thing. You also don't have to worry about trying to figure out how you're gonna split utilities because some of these duplexes, like, you know, you have to split water, you might have separate meters for hydro, but you have to split water, gas, that sort of thing. Whereas it's single family, you can just buy it, you can rent it, and then the tenant can be responsible for the utilities. Yeah, and don't forget, when you're getting into investment properties, if you already own a primary residence, you have to put 20% down. I mean, there's ways around it. Um, if your spouse is the sole on the first, first mortgage, I've had a client do that. Um, but yeah, it's 20%. Yeah, generally 20% at least. Um, and then there's different ways to pull out that 20%. Like if this is your first investment property, say you already own a home and you want to purchase another one, one thing that's really popular right now, I've done it, I think half of our team is doing it right now, mm -hmm. is refinance properties to get the down payment to purchase the investment property. So to give you like a quick rundown on that, like one of the ones that I'm refinancing, it's going to increase my mortgage by 800, but it's going to be covered by the rents I'm getting from the property. It's going to allow me to have cash now to go on and purchase another investment property that's going to make money. So it's just, you know, you're taking on a bit of an extra expense, but it's allowing you to buy stuff like this, you know, investments. So that's, I mean, we're getting off topic from single family residential, yeah. <laughs> but we'll talk about that at the end. Yeah. Um, we can move on to the next category. Yeah, I guess the point is just it gives you buying power. Power. It does, once you get that first investment. Yeah, and uh, why Justin doesn't like putting money in the bank because... <laughs> <laughs> no, not the TFSAs either, yeah. or my RSPs. I put some money in, but honestly I found like what I, the money I put in, I made, I don't know, less than 20% on it. Yeah, because your TSFA pays you how much percent on your money? I'm so only getting like, well, I shouldn't say only, it's yeah. like 13, 14%. It's been a little worse this year, obviously with the market, but I mean, my properties have gone up. But if the market's tremendous. grown, what, in the past year, 26%? Yeah, so. 26 last year, 16 the year before that. So double what it was to put in the bank. I remember we were thinking about what our house was going to be worth, the investment in one of them. We were like looking at a plan for five years. And uh, just after nine months, we've already, like we're 200,000 past that five-year goal. Yeah. Like it's crazy. It's nuts. So. Yeah. Um, so... 
I guess the disadvantage of having a single unit dwelling is if they move out, you're on the hook for the total payment. There's no one staying back to pay any of it, and you kind of have to make up the difference. Yeah, but, um, when you're vacant, you're vacant. Yeah, There's nobody it's there, you're paying that. Vacancy, yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess you just you have to have great screening options. That's it, and that's something we do too. Like we always, we lease properties out for our tenants, done it ourselves. Uh, just really doing a good background check to make sure we select the right tenant. I'd personally rather have my property vacant for an extra month than put the wrong person in there. Yeah. Because uh, that could be really a rough hard road to down. get rid yeah, of someone. For yeah. sure. So let's move on. <laughs> yes. Next category apartment style condos. Um, these are great first time investments, I think, because you can get in the market at a lower amount but uh, you're a lot more restricted. You're kind of restricted by the condo board, condo fees. Um, a lot of them now have restrictions on short-term rentals, so limiting Airbnbs. Uh. Yeah, that's one of the biggest ones when you're buying a condo. A lot of people think, oh, I'd like to buy it. It's a good area. We'll Airbnb it out, but then the condo board may not let you do that. Mm -hmm. So that's just something you gotta watch out for. Uh, some buildings, do allow Airbnbs, which make them a little... You just have to do your due diligence. Yeah, you uh, look sure. into that before you jump into buying in that building. But. For sure. And I mean, it's uh, the good thing about with the condo too, you're completely hands off yeah. with your like maintenance, right? Like you don't have to worry about anything. You're just paying the condo fee and yeah. see you later. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> we're planning on releasing a video in a few weeks on our top condos in Hamilton. So yeah. stay tuned for that. Top five or top 10. I don't know. We'll uh, see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. That's going to be a good one, though, because we always get questions like, what's a good building to live in and which one should I avoid? So yeah, we'll definitely list those off. Yep. And then we have pre-construction. Yeah. Um, so pre-construction is like a combination of both apartment style, single family, townhouse. Uh, the advantage to investing this way is you're taking your money now, you're giving the deposit. Uh, generally, it's around 5% down, I'm seeing from most builders, even more in some cases, but mm -hmm. uh, you put that money in, you don't make a single payment until the house is built down the road two years, three years from now, then you start making payments when it closes. Right now, I'm actually finding that pre-construction is a little bit more expensive than resale, especially condos. Yeah, like, they're, they're starting to price them at what they think it's gonna be worth yeah. in those two to three years, right? Yeah, like the builders are, are catching closing, on. Yeah, two, like five years down the road, they're thinking, oh, if the market goes, it'll be worth this. And Why are they paying. making that? I should yeah. be making that. Like a condo right now to buy new, you're looking at over $1,000 a square foot. Whereas there's a building in Ancaster, the one on Markle are going for, what, in the 800s a square foot, yeah. some of them. So, I mean, it's uh, even resales. I'm seeing some resales downtown that are going for under 1000 a square foot. So, I mean, it's something that, uh, I mean, you're buying into the future. You're taking a gamble that the market's going to go up. I mean, the market could go down. We don't know, I'm a crystal ball, but I mean, it's uh, definitely a risk. Fortunately, like, like a lot of investors that have done over the last years, it's been a good risk. Everybody's done well on it. Um, the, I'd say one disadvantage to pre-construction is um, sometimes they don't let you reassign them. So again, do your due diligence with that one. Yeah, that's the one I got dinged. I think I mentioned in a previous video, I'm not gonna say who it was, okay. but I tried to assign <laughs> it and uh, they basically turned it down. I think the reason was, was they still had a few units available and they wanted to sell those first, which I understand. I mean, that's fair, right? They need to fill their building before you're making money. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, I guess that pretty much covers the residential aspect of it. We can start to get into sort of this mix with multi-residential. So 
Multi-residential can be residential, it can be commercial. So multi-residential is basically, you know, two or more units. That's when you start getting into your duplexes, your triplexes, your fourplexes, and so on. So one key thing just to note uh, when you're looking to purchase these is if you go up to six units, you get to get you can get a residential mortgage on it, and you're also paying residential property taxes. Mm -hmm. Once you get to seven units or more, you start paying commercial property taxes and you have to get a commercial mortgage, which has a higher interest rate. So you're paying higher taxes and you're paying a higher interest rate. So to go from six units to seven, your expenses, your month to month dramatically increases. So you have to make sure that if you're going above six units and you're going to that seventh unit, that that extra that income is at least covering that gain. Yeah, right. but also you get the benefit of never having 100% vacancy. Yeah, so. that's it. You gotta think, yeah, if you have 10 units and one person's missing, you still have a 90% occupied building. So, but I mean, this, this is where it gets pricey. Yeah. Like five years ago, I sold 16 units for uh, 1.3 million near uh, Barton and uh, Parkdale on Melvin Avenue, if you're familiar with Hamilton. Yeah. So it's, uh, but the prices have gone up dramatically since then. So multi-res, but I mean, you can start with a two unit. The two units we're seeing, they're over a million right now in Hamilton, but uh, it depends if that's on the mountain. You go down the mountain and get something cheaper, though. Yeah, plus, wouldn't you say about 90% of them still aren't legal and conforming? So Yeah, more than 90%. It's yeah. it's tough because a lot of people just turn these units you know, into rentals, and they necessarily shouldn't be like one of the biggest we see is the student rentals yeah. around McMaster and Mohawk and these you know illegal basement apartments and stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's one thing you want to make sure. Like, There's a lot of value to be added if you're purchasing something that has the legality, um, which one benefit, the city made it a lot easier. Last year, they implemented the secondary dwelling uh, bylaw, so now you can go through the process with permits to put in a legal rental unit in your property. So that's massive because a lot of people are doing it. And we're actually seeing a lot of good properties come up that have been nicely renovated and converted. I mean, I would say the only problem with that is the cost of conversion. Yeah. What you say? Yeah. I'm the one guy I was speaking to. We should have him on the show, actually. John Tenbrink, he does them. He was saying about 80 to 100K for a basement conversion, but that's a full renovation. To fire everything. Yeah. And then to do, uh, like if you want to do a garage, if you have a garage in the back that you want to convert or you want to build a secondary dwelling, he said that conversion's like 200,000. I think that will be huge though. Yeah. To add more dwellings onto your property. Yeah, if you own a corner lot on the mountain, you have your house on one, like those old homes on the big lots, you have your house on one and your driveway on the other with a garage. That's huge potential right there. Absolutely. So one disadvantage, uh, I guess, if we're going to talk about multi-residential would be managing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a lot of units to manage. It's a lot of rents to make sure that are on time. I mean, you can hire a property manager, but they're going to want to take about eight to 10% yeah, of your of profit. Your gross, so. Of the gross. Is it worth it? Yeah. It's a <laughs> lot of money. Um, but I mean, it's again, it's something you just factor into your expenses. Yeah. So. So then we also have mixed use. Uh, that would be commercial and apartment on top. Um, I kind of like these because actually they're becoming huge along uh, Barton, Ottawa, James Street, um, those areas because people paying rent on top can float your business on top, or on bottom, sorry. Um, investors like these because again, it, you would be looking at way less of a chance to have 100% vacancy rate. Yeah, one of the biggest benefits too with both is if there's ever a shift in the residential market, you have commercial downstairs. If there's a shift in commercial like we saw with COVID, 
and in the business that you have in the first floor is suddenly not in business anymore, then you still have the residential rents on top that are hopefully going to cover your expenses. So it kind of gives you that balance. I know a lot of investors that like to look at just these, but you do need a lot more capital to purchase these. Like you mm -hmm. can't just buy these with a 20% down. Like yeah. you have to have cash. It's over 25%, right? Anyway, at least 25%. Yeah. But in most cases, depending on who you are, it could be, could be more. So, I mean, and these properties are huge. You'll see them when you're driving down King Street, you're driving down like any main street really on the city. And every time a commercial mortgage is unavoidable. So the higher uh, interest rate, the higher property tax, higher percent down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the thing, eats into your expenses. But I mean, it's a nice balance. And then at the end of the day, you own a building on a main street, that's not bad. It's a good trade off, right? Yeah. Um, um, and also you kind of have to be careful with the tenants you pick. Mm -hmm. So if you have someone really loud on the bottom, what kind of tenant are you picking up top? You got to make sure versa. there's a good match. Yeah. yeah. You don't want the upstairs tenant so complaining it, about it the So it can downstairs. be a little bit more of a headache, but uh, yeah. I think more security. That's it. Actually, I remember the first mixed use I ever sold was where the old Motown used to be absent in the basement. You sold that? Yeah. That's awesome. Back, I think the whole building, it was four commercial units while well, absent was taking up two of the spaces. And then it was 16 residential units above. 1.8 million cool. five years ago. Five years ago. To own pretty much half of a block on yeah, King Street. Yeah, on King Street, yeah. It's nuts. Cool. So, um, but then we go straight into just strictly commercial, which you can buy like a plaza. So you got into your corner plaza with, you know, the variety store, uh, gas station, salon, that sort of thing. That's another route that you can go to invest in. Some investors like commercial because you have a lot more control over uh, the tenants in terms of, you know, they don't pay the rent, you just change the locks if you're having issues, right? That sort of thing. Like it's a lot harsher. They're not protected by the same laws yeah, as a residential tenant. There's no issuing a 9-11 and having to sit out potential, N11, 9-11, N11 and potentially having to sit out months of them trying to get out there. But Yeah. Um, and then again, you're dealing with commercial mortgages, commercial rates, more down. Uh, it's That's more, I think, for your, like, you're a bigger you're almost at a higher level investor. But first, I'd say if you guys are looking at a first investment property, uh, one of the safest routes, either single family, like you had a client that did it, that mm -hmm. he's, make, he's making good money on it. Yeah, saying? he spent um, 600,000 in January and yeah, he breaks, he's beyond breaking even, he makes 400 in profit. Yeah, that's amazing. Month. Uh, or you get a condo. I think with a condo though nowadays, with the prices that we're seeing, you're it's probably, hard to cover the condo yeah, fee. You're looking close to even almost. Yeah, but the but the thing is, is that even if you're breaking even, and this is just the way the market is right now because the market's so high. If you're breaking even, you're still making a solid investment because the market's going to keep growing. Exactly, and that's where we're talking to what Conrad was mentioning a couple of weeks ago about flipping into the capital growth mode where you're just hoping to make money off of the market climbing and your principal being, being paid down and not necessarily the monthly cash flow. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know, I like the I like the monthly cash flow, but- I mean, everyone does. Yeah. But if, if someone's you, paying your principal- Yeah, and that's the thing, like, you know, the safe, like the other thing with investments too is everybody thinks, you know, what if the prices go down, the market dips. At the end of the day, if you have somebody paying your mortgage every month, they're covering your expenses, you have a tenant in there, the longest dip we saw in history was in the 90s. It was a seven-year mm -hmm. dip to go back to even. Mm -hmm. And as long as you can carry it for that period, 
you know, you're going to have a tenant in there paying your rent for that period. So as long as you're planning at least seven years, but I always think real estate should be long-term. I think rarely you should get into an investment for a short-term time. Yeah. Like if you're thinking, yeah, one or two years, oh, we'll make some money. Cause I mean, the market might not be as friendly as it's been mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. us, right? Mm-hmm. We might go back to just three to 5% increases a year, um, which is what Unless we saw you desperately the need the money, but I think that's the whole point of refinancing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I guess that pretty much covers most of what we wanted to talk about today. Um, I do think that you should consider buying an investment property if you currently own something. Like if you, I think anyone that's owned a house, anyone that's owned a house in the last five years should seriously consider refinancing to buy an investment property because you can get cash flow from that to not only cover that house, but pay down your existing mortgage a little bit like think about it you would own Mm -hmm. a second home and you're paying less per month Mm -hmm. right and then as that goes up in value you have access to that equity to move into another one and that's how a lot of people build their portfolios it is a bit of a risk but i've done a lot of it myself i have a lot of clients we have Mm -hmm. a lot of clients that have done it um so we know a lot about it if it's something you're interested in just please uh, feel free to reach out we're always happy to have that conversation awesome And thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, Please check out our next episode. We are going to talk about um, the numbers in relation to real estate investing. I think this is a really interesting one. Um, We're going to have a little whiteboard. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to rock it. We're going to see how it goes. We're basically going to break down if you invest in a multi-res or anything, really even single, just how it's going to cash flow, what to look for, and what to expect. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. It's always fun. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Hit that little bell if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, We love for you guys to tune in every week. And thanks again for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. See you later.